Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we go. It's about how you deal with the problems. So you get a problem, you deal with it, and if you can't handle that, then you're pretty much done. But if you can figure out a way to deal with that problem and, and move forward, there's gonna be an even bigger problem that's presented to you. So you need to get used to dealing with problems. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. The only way we're going to get through this is to get through it together. If I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to joshcopel.com forward slash chat. Also be sure to check out the full comp restart guide packed with valuable resources and strategies from Yelp, Cornell University, and Oyster Sunday. Go to joshcopel.com forward slash resources for your free download. Didn't write that down? Don't worry, there are links to both in the show notes. Johnny Rezone took Nashville hot chicken, an obscure regional dish, and turned it into an international institution. The guy is a hot chicken mogul, selling out thousands of sandwiches a day, setting his own rules with delivery companies, and partnering with Post Malone on new promotions. I looked in for inspiration when I opened my own fried chicken joint, but I did it for money and never achieved the level of success that he has. Why? Because it's his authenticity that has made him a star. Zone walks the walk, and in today's conversation, he walks me through his path to greatness. We begin at the beginning with an uncertain future and the inspiration to try. I look at your business model and like as another restaurateur, I could, if I could go back like eight years, right? I would turn to you and you'd be like, yo, I've got this concept. It's called Hell and Raise. It's going to be great. And I would tell you it's super niche. Fried chicken is unhealthy. Not everybody likes it. Um, it's going to be impossible for you to make the leap from food truck to brick and mortar successfully. Almost no one's done it. I've seen the location you want to open in. It's shit. It's in, it's in an, a bad area. Uh, no visibility from the street. It's not going to work, No one's man. ever done hot chicken. You know, That's no it. one's ever heard of hot chicken. And so, and so did you have those thoughts? And like, what yeah. inspired you to move forward even though you did? So it was the passing of my father that uh, gave me the confidence to be like, you know, I'm going to just do this. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care that nobody like when we first doing quarters the 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 quarters of fried chicken people didn't know mm-hmm. what they're like this is too big what is this you know they're used to pieces and um yeah i mean the passing of him was a big change in my life where it was like um just go out and get it do it you know if you what's the worst that happen you fail you know and then you fail and then hopefully you chop it up and, and learn you know those lessons um and then do it, do it, make another mistake, you know, um, mm-hmm. but keep going. Don't stop. Don't let anybody or any factors uh, push you, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, you know, I've followed you and your career closely. Uh, and when I think of you, two things come to mind and neither of those are chicken. The first is style. 
Helen raises a brand in the truest sense, right? From the boxes to the clothing. How important would you say that brand aesthetics were in the success of the restaurant? And do you think you would have achieved the same level of success if it was just in like a brown cardboard box and there wasn't that aesthetic? So a big part of that is my wife. Like I don't do any of that. She she has always had an interest and in, she's more creative minded. She's like, there, there's two types of mindsets. There's your Mozarts and your Beethovens, right? And Mozart's a classical um, mindset in terms of like, or I'm sorry, uh, Mozart is romantic mindset. Beethoven's classical. So if you, to keep it short, you go in their garages um, and you see all their tools. Beethoven's tools are outlined on the pegboard and each one goes in a specific spot, right? Mozart, it's like a complete mess, but he knows exactly where his screwdriver is. He knows exactly where it is. And that's the whole theory of classic versus romantic. And so she's, she's a romantic uh, philosophy, like, like in terms of how she approaches things. So her creative perspective, her, her branding on that, we finally had a restaurant to call our own or a food truck to call our own. So we wanted to, we wanted to do the best we could and combine forces. And um, so in terms of the branding, it's a huge part of the success for sure. But realistically in, in, in my eyes, you know, Helen Ray's wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for her and, and, and doing that branding. But when you really strip it down to the core of the business, the core, the nature, the, 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 the philosophies of the business, it really has to do with taking care of our employees, taking care of the city and taking care of our customers in, in, in a hospitable way. That's like, it's more human than so many, so many other, you know, restaurant concepts. I, I mean, our food costs being a restaurant operator yourself, you know, you want to like hit like 30, you know, 25, 26 or whatever. First few years, it was like 50% because I was giving away so much food. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, what 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 I was doing is is that's just, we didn't we have we haven't paid a dollar for marketing we haven't spent any money on marketing right but when you give somebody something like extra on a house or whatever and you treat everybody like their VIP they start to talk they start to tell their friends their homies and stuff and then they'll roll through and then you do the same thing with them and they're like damn they're good people type thing and that's how it kind of that's how the viralness kind of started, you know, like it, we weren't always serving, you know, 300, 400, 500 people. It was, it was a slow start. It was very grassroots. It's like 20 people on our first few days. Our first day there was, we served four people on the food truck and that customer is still coming to the restaurant, Mark Weiss, you know, and it's amazing, but it's like, you have to build, I feel like people, we live in such a culture where it's like so quick, you know, um, right. and you have to build upon building blocks, like one step at a time type thing. So, if you ask me, my opinion of, of, of our success, you know, um, how much of it is branding is a lot for sure. But really the key element for us was hospitality towards the employees because employees are customers too, because they're going to talk to their friends, how you treat them and how, if they're paid well or whatever, and how you, how you take care of your customers, you know, like that's, that's been our really building block. You know, it's not about hot chicken. It's about, it's about the hospitality of it. And it's funny because now you have a lot of, hot chicken restaurants, some of the key elements to what makes Helen Ray successful, it's really hard to duplicate that um, in a for-profit business. You know what I mean? That's the, you know, the other side of the coin is authenticity. And I think you bring a lot of that to the table. Uh, you have this really unapologetic nature about your choices and you're a big advocate for your tier of dining. I watched you speak on a panel at the uh, California Chefs con Conference. Chef Ludo kind of dismissed the simplicity of the fast, casual business model. You pop right back at him, uh, you know, mentioning Ludo Bird, you know, that 
and, and mentioning that, you know, everyone wants to talk shit. That's just the nature of the industry. But you could have gone the fine dining route. You were trained for it. Why did you choose fast casual? Was that a function of what you could afford to do? Or was it strategic? I have always had an interest in soul foods, like like simple, um, utilizing, you know, like pig's ears, utilizing different. I've always had such a interest in transforming an ingredient. So like if I, if I answer that with a metaphor, it'd be the cowpea story of leather britches. In the South, they would hang cowpeas over the fire where they're cooking all the meat for like the plantation owners. Mm-hmm. And then the, the workers themselves would dry out the cowpeas and make a stew with it. And that stew was probably better than the meat that was cooking on the, on, on the fire. So that's when you can transform such a humble ingredient into something magical. I wanted to utilize my fine dining background and utilize that technique and execution, but be able to serve everybody, not just you know people who can afford a fine dining restaurant. I, I also want to dive into going wide versus going deep right? Like one restaurant to another, like the natural inclination is to scale massively after you've seen the success of one location, right? So like year one, you kick ass, year two, you open five, you're overly saturated, you close all five locations. Like that is, you know, that, that's what everybody does. What enabled you to be so patient and what, what is your strategy? Like there's other, there's, the franchise model is something that I, I'm not a big fan of. So like, say it's a Subway or, or Dave's Hot Chicken or whatever. Those are franchise models, right? And what they do is you create a box, like it's a box. And that box is how you operate it. They have their operation manuals. There's no real like soul to it in the sense of like, it's unique per location. Okay, maybe like this location gets this treatment because it's, it's this or whatever. Um, they're just replicating, right? And they're just scaling it. Um, but for me, I wanted to figure out a way where it's like, we're just going through this right now because we're opening a ghost kitchen in Pasadena and mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're um, testing, testing by doing all these charity events, uh, all the tweaks and stuff. I wanted to be like, how can I open up another one and improve the quality of both of them at the same time and improve the, the, the workplace for the employees, but also, and also for the customer to make it easier to get. So how do you improve it at the same time? And it takes patience. It takes it takes time planning. It's not just creating a box. It's not just copy and paste, you know? Um, but another big thing that uh, philosophy that I've always had is if you take it like an image uh, and it's a low resolution image and you scale it up and you zoom in, you can start to see the pixels. I wanted my image to be so high res that when you scale in, you can't see the pixels. So with that, it takes time. You can't, you can't just build that overnight type thing, you know? So now what we're seeing in, in the, the Pasadena location, it's amazing because the quality is like even better almost uh, mm-hmm. just because we have all new equipment, the layout's a little, we moved a few things around, the staff is getting better, they're, they're like savages now, like they can all open their own restaurants pretty much soon because I get them involved on the opening process and right. it's the critical thinking, you know, like it's like they're doing a better job than I, I, I could have done and all it took was me just like cultivating and taking the time to develop these individuals that I knew were just good people and wanted to eventually have something of their own. And so like that ghost kitchen, it's employee owned, you know what I mean? Like it'll be employee owned and they'll share on profits and stuff. And that'll even increase the quality even more too. So that's why that, that model is what I like, but franchises and, and, and bigger companies like that, it's more profit driven. So you, you replicate the box, you know how much it costs, all that stuff. There's no, 
there's no questionable variables because they're just replicating. They're not creating something new each time. You know what I mean? It's just a copy paste, copy paste. So I, I, I'm a fan of, of, of taking our time and, and quality first over quantity. Let's talk about profit. Restaurateurs look at other restaurateurs. I do it all the time. I look at somebody's restaurant. It's beautiful. It's busy. And I think to myself, like that guy isn't making shit for money, right? I know what it costs to run a restaurant, but I'm not alone in that. Everybody looks at you and thinks, that dude is making money. There's no yeah. way you're not with your business model. Um, and understanding that, like, where where did that play into your thought process? Was it always, this is going to be a profitable business model. I've set up a winning strategy. We're definitely going to make this work. We'll eat shit for the first year, but then we've got a plan to grow and change. Was it natural? Was it luck? Or was it strategy? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect storm. You know, it's a combination of so many different things. But what helped me was I was a executive chef for like three years, four years that got, I got paid very well. Right. But I wasn't happy. And then also at some of the restaurants that I've worked out throughout my career, I saw the restaurant owners bleeding their restaurants uh, in terms of profitability, because mm -hmm. then say their house mortgage is on, you know, the, uh, their car payments are on their insurance is on. So they were bleeding the restaurants dry. Right. And, I said to myself, I saw that and I said, to myself, I'm never, ever going to do that because I already got a taste of a little bit of like, you know, disposable income when I was an executive chef, like running a whole, a whole restaurant and getting paid well. And it didn't make me happy. I was drinking more, you know, I was smoking more. It was like, uh, I was wasting money more now. Like maybe I make less money as a restaurant operator, but it's a healthy model and the, the staff's happy. The customers are happy. The restaurant's happy. It's not getting bled dry. Um, I think the key to, to it for me has been finding out what makes you happy. I get more joy out of seeing like Mario grow. And he, I hired him off of Craigslist as a barback cleaner for two hours a night. He would clean 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. And now he's running, he has his own restaurant. And now I negotiated a deal where he gets a Rolex for a lease. That gives me so much more joy than when I see people driving around like Ferrari, Land Rover, all that stuff. Like, okay, yeah, it's cool. But realistically that only lasts for 15 minutes and you get used to it. Then you're like, that's my car or whatever. And I never, I never dug it when I saw restaurant owners pulling up in like fancy cars or big houses and stuff. I've always been a low key, similar to like my, my food approach is like, I like that work, you know, like I have a tattoo on my hand is like hard work in, in Hindi, you know, because my dad used to worship Ganesha. He, in the morning he would say, Nom gam namaha. And he would chant that with uh, the Nong Champa incense burning. And I don't know, man, the, being close to the ground and humble and, and working hard gives me more satisfaction than having a shitload of money, you know, and uh, I could easily have done that. And, and but that wouldn't we wouldn't be as successful if I did that because people that's another thing. Restaurants think customers are idiots. It's not you. You have to be transparent about things. You have to be really like honest with everybody and, and clear, you know, and. You can tell, you know, if a restaurant owner is like just bleeding it dry or whatever, oh, and yeah. even the staff can tell. So I never wanted to do that. And it's never been about that. So that's been a key to our success and growing because then the restaurant makes money and then it reinvests that back into the employees. Like, for example, we're shipping out all our employees as uh, pre-COVID to Nashville to meet the families, to uh, work with them and help them out. Or even right before COVID hit, like in March or whatever, I was rebuilding uh, Bolton's. Uh, they got hit with a tornado in Nashville. And mm -hmm. I was doing construction work there with one of my guys, Brandon. Shout out to Brandon. 
we rebuilt this side of Bolton's for free. And it would have cost them $20,000, $30,000, but it was just like five or six days with me and him, just 12, 14 hour days, uh, renting all the tools and stuff. And it's like, that gives me more joy than, you know, a shitload of money. It just, that's, it's, it makes so much more of an impact. And that's been another part of our success is um, having good, you know, mindsets and, and leaders in place throughout the whole bracket of the whole system of, of our operation. Well, and I would assume that that mindset has also helped you weather the COVID storm as well. You're actually growing during the pandemic. Can you talk to me about your immediate reaction to the pandemic and the quarantine and then what you guys have done, you know, strategy, execution, what's worked well and what hasn't? At first it was like, we, we really, I think both my, myself and my wife, were, we kind of went into depression. Like it was very, because our restaurant and Eater even put something out about like how we have so many long lines and all that. It's built on the line. What happens when there's no line? Right. You can't have a line of people because you're crowd control, all that stuff. So essentially the restaurant, <laughs> like we had to, we had to close it completely right. and figure out, like figure it out. Like, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? And um, mm. how are we going to make this work? We tried Postmates before. It didn't work out because it kind of like too much, too many people at once. And then that was a negative thing. Like, right. it, you know, you try to do something positive, but then it bites you in the, in the bud. And it's like, so I spent a good month or two just really, uh, I call it pivoting, you know, like changing the whole, figuring out what I'm going to do and change the whole thing. And then a whole other month really negotiating. That's, that's something that I've been helping a lot of other restaurants with right now during this time, the power of negotiation, you know? Um, and whether it's with your vendors, because the vendors are hurting too, right? So they want your business. So they'll give you actually credit, like a thousand dollar credit or, or even just a cash, you know, uh, a check or something like that, because they want your business. But people need to be reminded sometimes that you have to fight for every single nickel, right? And then it adds up to a dollar. And then you take that dollar and you keep fighting for it. And it, then that adds up to 10 bucks or whatever. And it's like, if you're always fighting and always staying hungry about it and negotiating or, or utilizing your skill set and what you have in front of you. Um, that, that was a big saving grace for us with um, like with our Postmate deal, you know, like with how we're, we're working with them. And so it was, it was a good two, three months of just planning and, and figuring out, keeping the staff afloat, being transparent with them, uh, communicating to them, keeping our customers afloat. And um, then we just relaunched on doing delivery only. And then, so now it's crazy because one driver will show up and they have four orders and that one driver can serve up to maybe 20 people. And they don't even set foot in the restaurant. There's no cash transactions. Ticket comes in. We have a, a direct integration with our system. So it's like, it just prints out, you know, the ticket. And we, there's no tablet messing around. It's just, it's like a kitchen, you know? And yeah. um, so all that planning that we did on, on, on working the system out where it would be smooth um, enabled us to do that, trimming down the menu. And then now... Now we're getting to the spot where the staff's getting trained well enough and our vendors are getting back on their feet. So now we can add things back like fries, you know, that we get a lot of requests for. But we had to start small because it was hard. So, so yeah, it was a difficult time because you basically, I feel like we did a really good job with Alan Ray's the first three years. And that's why like there was a lot of press and all that stuff is because we, we really put our heart and soul into it. And then it's crushed, right? So instead of me like sobbing and bitching and complaining, I like, I, I'm like, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm, I'm gonna, I have to figure this out. I have 30 people that rely on me and this move here 
what we're going to do. So I had to figure it out. There was no, there was no doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to figure it out and move forward. You know, I was determined because all those employees and even, even customers, they're like fans and they're depending on me to figure something out. And, and so I was determined and, and, uh, made the moves, you know, made the calls, the tons of attorney calls, you know, like figuring out the legalities of the contract, all that stuff. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, looking back on that, I feel like that was a big uh, shift for me from like a chef to like a, just a real, like legit, legit business owner, you know, because a lot of the chefs that I used to look up to were bitching and complaining and like just sob story stuff. Right. And I, I was like, I don't want to take that. I used to look up to these guys and, and I was like, I, I, I don't want, I'm not going to, I'm not, I need to get smart here. I need to like pivot, you know? And so I did what I could and, and, and put everything on the line and, and, you know, we, we were in the situation where we're in now. So what's staying? Do you think you'll stick with delivery for now? I mean, right now it's all about the, the safety of the employees and uh, the customers being happy. I think the delivery is working out very well because not only you got to think of it like this, we have a new customer now. So the drivers are actually customers too. One thing that restaurants mess up on is they treat the drivers like shit. We started giving free food to the drivers and all that stuff, you know, and taking care of the drivers. There's actually a a Postmate Reddit forum and it's all about the drivers like saying their stories or whatever. And it's like super raw. You know how YouTube comments are and and Mm. Reddit, like that's like the dark, like the darkest place in the world. (laughs) You know what I mean? So the drivers, when they see a Helen racing, they're like, I want to pick it up. So we get more drivers and we get friendly drivers. And sometimes we get aggressive people, you know, um, but we know that they're customers and they're going to talk to like, damn, I got to try this restaurant. So it's actually, it worked in our favor. So delivery is working really well. And we're, we're doing the ghost kitchen here in Pasadena. And then we got a bigger location uh, in Pasadena that uh, we discovered this amazing sign from the 1900s from a, a milk farm. And um, it has some history to it. Long story short, like uh, there, there was a few articles about the woman that owned the milk farm uh, was an advocate to prevent Nat King Cole to move to Hancock Park. She didn't want Nat King Cole to move there. So what I'm really working on right now with the city and the landlord is to put up a Nat King Cole mural right there on the front and keep the sign because I think that would be like something that gives me chills. Like it's just like, I just, yeah, it's amazing. You know, like I, 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 we don't stand for that. And look at who would have thought, you know, 80 years later, he's being honored for what he had to go through during that time. You know what I mean? And it, mm-hmm. it's, a good, it's, it's, it's just amazing, you know? So that bigger location, I think we're going to try and play with like uh, outdoor, indoor type thing. So like the outdoor continues into the indoor type thing, you know, like, like make it feel like it's outside maybe a closed kitchen. So it's a little bit different, but um, we're excited to create an institution. Is it difficult? Yeah. How do you build a restaurant right now? What does it look like? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, that's what we're working on, but luckily I negotiated really good lease deal, really good deals with every, all our vendors, just everything, you know, and that's, what's been helping us keep afloat, you know, is um, all those different, we, we don't have some huge lease payment, you know, like it, it's just uh, every little detail that, that we've, agreed to do or, or gone in, um, has been thought out and, and negotiated. That's, that's enabled us to be in a situation where we're very, um, just fortunate during this time. It's an industry podcast and there are a ton of restaurateurs and chefs listening right now and they want what you have, right? Everybody does. They want the successful brand. They want the profitability. They want to be able to follow their passion. Uh, and it's also just an incredibly depressing time within the industry. Do you have words of advice or encouragement? If someone wants to walk your path, what do they need to do? One thing that like, 
there was a video I shot for, I, I did a consulting thing for uh, this coffee company. Um, and one thing that keeps popping up to me and I, I posted on my IG is I was, I was saying in the video that um, for me, you know, life, life's really about like, it's about how you deal with the problem. Problem one, we had a line and we were only open 11 to four. How do we do that? Okay, let's, let's get faster. Let's get better. Let's improve the quality on things. Let's, let's figure out a system, right? And then uh, you deal with that problem and then a bigger problem comes. Then it's like, okay, now it's a massive, massive line and people are complaining about it, that it's a 10 minute wait just to order things like that. How do you deal with that? You know, um, or even like, you know, I'm doing this event uh, and, uh, you know, there's a charity thing and it's like, people are still clapping back on like, oh, you know, you're giving away free food. Why not give away to like homeless? What they don't know is I gave away 3000 meals to homeless this past two weeks. I didn't promote that, but the the key point of advice that I'm trying to say is it's about how you deal with the problems. So you get a problem, you deal with it. And if you can't handle that, then you're pretty much done. But if you can figure out a way to deal with that problem and, and move forward, there's going to be an even bigger problem that's presented to you. So you need to get used to dealing with problems, get used to dealing with shit, get used to dealing with issues because uh, it's only going to get harder. And so if you back down or, or, or that, that small problem, maybe it's small, you know, looking back on it. And, but at the time you thought it was so big, if you back down at that, then it's like, you're not going to get more difficult problems. So I would say one, one big key to my success has been that adjustment of getting used to dealing with shit and problems and, and moving forward from it. Um, and getting, developing a bandwidth and a mental capacity where nothing can phase you. Maybe it is phasing you. It's a freaking pandemic. You know, it's terrible. Like what's going on for restaurants, the industry, but there's a way you, you can figure it out. You, you, deter, you make up your mind and you determine that this is not going to fuck me up. I'm going to move forward from this and you figure out a way. That's been my kind of saving grace because I feel like once you get into that phase of self-doubt or thinking there's no options, there is no options, you know, then if that's the mindset that you have, but you have to, you have to, you know, what is it? Walk tall, carry a big stick or something like that. I don't know. You have to be strong. <laughs> you, know? uh, you have to be, you have to be determined and, and fearless in your actions. And luckily for me, I was able to take the passing of my father and, and really transform that into a sort of strength and a drive it just helps me. It fuels me, you know, because that's, that's a great example too. It's like you find your father dead on the floor, right? And your body goes into convulsion, like shakes. Like I felt like I was in my body was like shaking, right? I couldn't even dial 911. Uh, I remember my fingers were shaking. He was just naked on the floor, dead. I touched his body. It was cold. For a lot of people, and including myself, I, trust me, for weeks I was bawling. I couldn't listen to any blues music because we used to play blues all the time. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't even listen to the music because it would just break me down. It's how I dealt with it. You know what I mean? Like it's how I, I took that. I bawled. I got it all out. I, 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 I felt sorry for myself. I felt bad for him, all this stuff. But I moved on and I was like, how can I take this problem or issue or negative experience and turn it into something positive? And, and what I did was in my mind, I, I just really tried to make it a strength. It's like another notch on the belt. Like, yeah, I went through that. I dealt with that. I can open a restaurant. You know what I mean? I dealt with something traumatic like that and I'm out in a clear headspace. Yeah. Uh, fuck yeah. I'll do a restaurant. Yeah. I'll do hot chicken. No one's heard of it. Yeah. Life's short. If you're not fearless or confident with it or you second guess yourself or things like that, then you're not going to be, it's not going to be as, as strong of a movement. That's Johnny Ray's Zone of Howlin' Rays. You can check out what Johnny and the Howlin' Rays team are working on at howlinrays.com.
If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.